Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. This is the home of world football in Southern California. And we are play- pleased that you are joining us. Thank you for hanging out after NBA basketball. Not going to talk about that. <laughs> this is a soccer show. Let's just leave it at that. What's on tap tonight on Soccer Weekly? Sponsored by Pocock Brewing. Visit PocockBrewing.com to see what's on tap right now in their tasting room. Pocock Brewing Company. Embrace life, drink good beer. Well, what is on tap? We've got a lot of MLS to talk about, both the Galaxy and LAFC, plus some other things going on in Major League Soccer. Champions League final. Going to be a big part of this show. We're going to be talking a lot about that UCL final coming up on the weekend. Real Madrid and Liverpool should be a great one. And I would be remiss if I didn't briefly talk about the failure that was the Clausura finale, the Ligia finale there between my beloved Toluca and Santos. But we do want to begin, believe it or not, with what I think is the biggest story locally this week. And it actually happened Monday because the Galaxy had a weird Monday game. It's weird only because they don't usually schedule Monday games, but it was kind of a cool reason. Montreal Impact, it was a holiday up there, and they were celebrating their 25th anniversary, so they do a Monday afternoon game. So locally it was noon. I loved it. As you can probably hear, I'm suffering from a bit of a cold, battled through it to do the game last night, which we'll talk about with LAFC and Borussia Dortmund. But Monday's game, I got to sit at home on the couch, recuperate, and watch the Galaxy game and try to break down what was going on with this team, right? Well, it didn't start out real great. First 40 minutes where you looked at this game and you thought, these are two really bad teams. I mean, let's be honest. It was bad. The play was bad. Nobody was linking up well. Neither team had any idea what they really wanted to do to attack the other. It was ugly. And then it got really ugly. Because in the middle of a play, which is an interesting factor about what we're going to talk about, in the middle of a play, Michael Petrasso, who's about a foot shorter than Zlatan, steps on Zlatan Ibrahimovic's foot, maybe twice, but at least once. And Zlatan slaps him in the head, right? So... Immediately they check the whatever, check the video replay. Of course, Zlatan gets a, a red card. He deserves it. Now, hear me out. These are opinions that can stand together, not separately. Zlatan Ibrahimovic was stupid to smack a dude for stepping on his foot. He deserved the red card. Michael Petrasso knew exactly what he was doing, in my opinion, and it was a Bush League move. I know pro athletes are going to say, well, you're trying to gain an advantage. You're trying to do this. You're trying to antagonize and all. It happens. Yes, it does. It's Bush League. And is this really what MLS wants? Right? Now, you can talk about all this, oh, you can't protect certain players. This is Latan Ibrahimovic. You're bringing guys over to not miss games. Right, Because some guy is trying to goad him into getting a red card. It worked. Petrasso was probably hailed as a hero in that clubhouse. I don't know that for a fact, but it worked. And Petrasso only gets a yellow card, right? Because he stomped on Zlatan's foot. But then Siggy Schmidt, this is another factor. Siggy Schmidt had a great point after the game. Siggy Schmidt says, you know what? It was during the play, right? And I'm paraphrasing here. But in his press conference, he brought up that the play was going on when this foul occurred. 
And Petrasso fouled Zlatan in the box by stepping on his foot, right? Clearly, it must have been a foul. He got a yellow card for it. The referee saw something, and then Zlatan slapped him and deservedly got the straight red. But it happened before Zlatan hit him. Where's the penalty kick? And other people have brought it up. I believe Andrew Wiebe, or maybe Wiebe, I beg your pardon, on MLSsoccer.com talked about it. Where's the PK? I mean, it's a good point. And that's why it just drives me nuts. Look, again, these things can be separated. Zlatan had to go. It was a red card. Stupid. Now he's going to miss the California Classico coming up Friday against San Jose. That's ridiculous to do that. Stupid. You've got to be better than that, Zlatan. But Michael Petrasso is kind of pulling a little bit of a Draymond Green there, right? I mean, kind of a jerk move. If I'm being honest, you know, Draymond doesn't mind kicking people on the court because he knows he's protected within the lines of the court. It's, oh, it's all part of the game. And Petrasso will just hide behind, oh, he's just trying to goad him into doing something stupid. And Zlatan fell for it. It's just Bush League because, look, you're trying to grow a league. And MLS's hands are tied. They have to suspend Zlatan, of course. They've got to go through the red card stuff. He deserves his punishment. But now he's got to miss another game. And this is no way you shouldn't be having, and I'm not saying protect Zlatan. Protecting him would be not giving him the red card for doing something so stupid. No, I'm not saying that. But at some point, you have to relay the message to the other players. Don't try to bait Zlatan Ibrahimovic into a red card by doing illegal stuff yourself. That's like trying to like, chase Carlos Vela around for 90 minutes just absolutely stepping on him until he turns around and slugs you. I mean, yes. You know what? Wayne Gretzky never got hit because those hockey players knew he was growing the game for him, for everyone. And it's just not smart. Now, it worked, except for it didn't because Montreal lost, and I loved it. Yes, you heard me right. I love that Montreal still lost after Michael Petrasso tried to bait Zlatan into that red card by stepping on his foot. And don't tell me, it's my opinion, but don't tell me he didn't do it on purpose. So I love that they lost. And I'm going to root against Montreal like they're San Jose, the scum earthquakes from now on. Montreal, you're right down to the bottom of the list. You're a terrible organization. You deserve what you get after that. And I'm so glad you lost. I'm just being hyperbolic here, but... I can't really hate Montreal that badly, if I'm being honest. But I like the fact they lost, right? I mean, they kind of deserve that. If the guy did it on purpose, depending on what you believe, I believe he did. That's my opinion. Therefore, if then, if he did it on purpose, then they deserve to lose, and I'm glad they did. And Ola Kamara made him pay in the second half. Montreal is a mess. And that's not like the end-all, be-all, but it is a good win for the Galaxy to come back and do that with 10 men. you got to give them credit for that, no matter if you hate the Galaxy or not. That was a good win. Now, again, Montreal is awful, so it's not like this is going to correct everything that the Galaxy's problems are. No, not at all. No way. But it's a good win, and they deserved it. And I'm glad they got it because of how all that went down with Zlatan. LAFC, time for the Black and Gold Breakdown, baby. One, two, three, breakdown! It's the Black and Gold Breakdown. Breakdown. Break it down like this! Right now. 
What a game on Tuesday night, the black and gold breakdown. LAFC took on Borussia Dortmund and Christian Pulisic. It's where I lost most of my voice doing that game. It was a really fun night, I got to say. Mario Ruiz, my producer, is there, of course, as he produces the broadcast as well. And Mario, I got to say, I was shocked by the crowd, first yeah. of all. Nearly a sellout, if not. I mean, it probably was a sellout by the time the game kicked off. It was That's crazy. exactly what I was going to talk about, Dave. Yeah. I was going to talk about how the MVP of that game, if there is an MVP for a friendly like that, yeah. but uh, was the 32-52. Yes. They were singing from the jump. I mean, and they were loud, They were singing too. an hour before kickoff, all the way through. All the way through, and this was the loudest I've seen them and heard them. Yeah. It was so great. So many of Borussia Dortmund's like personnel that were around the stadium, they were paying attention to what the 32-52 was doing. Mm-hmm. They were impressed. Now, of course, Borussia Dortmund has the yellow wall. They have unbelievable fans over there, make no mistake. But the 32-52 would fit right in. They did a great job, and it was a great game. You know, look, it doesn't matter. It's a friendly, but I did learn something, Mario. What's that? This is the key takeaway, and I think it's big. I really do. Let I'm me not, hear it. I'm not just making this up. I'm not saying this is hyper, hyperbole either. I learned in that friendly, you know, where Dortmund's missing players, LAFC's missing players, Carlos Vela plays for like 25 minutes, blah, blah, blah. Right. I learned one key thing. Bob Bradley truly is a great manager now you're going to say well how did you learn that from that game well i'll tell you has nothing to do with the score 1-1 lafc outplayed borussia dortmund that doesn't even matter right okay because borussia dortmund can argue oh it's a friendly for us what do we care right we've been hanging out in hollywood fine whatever it's a very entertaining soccer match what i learned though is Bruce Bob Bradley rather is so good, Mario, because the bench players who came in, oh yeah, they were ready. They were they fit right in. They knew exactly what they were doing. They didn't look out of place. They didn't look nervous. You know how so many times, and I not picking on the Galaxy because the Galaxy have played some really good friendlies over the years, but you always notice when the Galaxy goes to the bench, quote unquote, in those friendlies. Right, everybody starts to panic. They give up three or four goals by accident because their kids running around. You know, LAFC is a lot deeper than people think. Aaron Kovar looked like a guy who could start for 12, 13, 14 MLS teams. He played with the most confidence on every single no ball doubt. that he touched. Looked like a guy who could start for way more than half of the MLS. He's just stuck behind a lot of good players. Diego Rossi looked fantastic. That's no major surprise. Carlos Vela is Carlos Vela. Diamande fit right in. This yeah, we got a chance played. to see him. And yeah. I was surprised how big he is. He's oh, a big he is dude. a beast, isn't he? I, I didn't think he was that big. Yeah. Like, he is built. And that's something that LAFC hasn't really had on this squad. Let's put it this, this way. Socrates and, uh, and uh, Axel Zagadou, Dan Axel Zagadou, those are big guys who play right. center back for Borussia Dortmund. They could not push him around at all. Nope. He got whatever position he wanted, wherever he wanted it, and they were being abused physically by Diamande. Now, he only played for like 25 minutes, barely touched the ball much, really, but he was looking for runs. He was getting, you know, playing off people. I shouldn't say he barely touched the ball. He didn't really need to play that much. You know, in the 25 minutes, he wasn't trying to go out there and score three goals. He was just trying to get his feet wet. But I just, you look at guys like Kovar, Callum Malice has barely played. He comes in and does really well. Right, and they're fitting in with the starters immediately. This is a loaded team. It also tells me John Thorrington knew knew what the heck he was doing when he put this roster together. 
Nico, and I, I apologize, I can't even remember how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Jornamage, and I may have been getting that wrong. He's on loan at Orange County, right? They bring him back for this game just to have a little depth. Guy looked like he fits right in. Didn't make a bad, he didn't make a bad step all game when he came in as a sub. And it just tells you that this system under Bob Bradley, these guys are ready. Now, of course, we've already seen they're not going to win every game. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you how this is the most amazing thing. I mean, they put together a good team. It's not a shock. But it just showed me how good he really is and that coaching staff because those guys did not miss a beat after not playing at all this year. There was no nervousness. He has them ready. He has them mentally and physically prepared at all times, and I love it. Oh, and by the way, there's a third DP that hasn't really made it yes. to the squad yet. We still got to get him Horta's in like early, Jan- early July, so... Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. They're doing great. This is the black and gold breakdown. Hey, still got to talk about the Champions League. No doubt about that. We'll get more into LAFC coming up against DC United. Toluca and Santos. So much more to get to. Brian McBride's joining me next. Yes, from ESPN FC, the former U.S. men's national team. Great forward. Had a great career. We'll talk with Brian next. This is ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly presented by Puente Hills Toyota. Get your new 2018 Toyota Camry SE today at Puente Hills Toyota. Check them out, PuenteHillsToyota.com. I am Dave Dunholm, and you are going to be happy to be listening right now as we're joined by one of the greats in U.S. soccer history. One of the power forwards of my day back when I was watching as a youth. And, uh, well, I'm older than him, so uh, I guess I wasn't a youth at the time, but... He is Brian McBride. Brian, it is a pleasure to have you join us here. Thanks for taking the time. My pleasure, Dave. How are you, man? Good. Appreciate you uh, joining us. And Brian, want to jump right in. Of course, uh, your work at ESPN FC. I really love watching that. We got the Champions League final coming up. We'll start there. It's a big weekend, certainly. And uh, Real Madrid, sure. Liverpool. To me, Brian, I always tend to feel with the knockout stage that, quite frankly, the two best teams usually get there when it comes to European football. I know there's some upsets every now and again in terms of along the way, but for my money, these are the two best teams right now in Europe. Do you see it that way? Um, I don't know if two best teams. Certainly, I think uh, Liverpool's gotten hot at the right time, and the progression of Liverpool over the season, uh, especially since the addition of Van Dyke, has been uh, so impressive. And, um, you know, you... You definitely can see Real Madrid, and as far as the beginning of the year, uh, the season, they they didn't start too hot either. But I agree with you. I think these are two of of the best teams. Um, I think, especially going forward, and should be an attractive game to watch. Yeah, you know, I mean, quite frankly, I think you're right. I kind of misspoke on that. What I mean is, they're the teams playing the best at this point through that competition, yeah. which is a big difference. You're absolutely right. Uh, but I do think they are the two best. As we look at it, Brian, this is a, a matchup. And, you know, we always make these predictions, and I shudder to say it, but I'm going to do it anyway because that's what we're supposed to do. This is like, looks like has the makings of a seven-goal thriller. Now it'll probably end up 1-0 in extra time, the way these things go. But I see, <laughs> I, so I mean, true. do you see a lot of offense out of these two teams coming in this match? I do, and and I, and I do, and I think what we're going to see is you know, we're going to see Liverpool high pressing as we normally do. And um, the the one thing I, I think that sort of hurts Liverpool is that Real Madrid doesn't mind sitting back in and taking some of that pressure. They've got players that are capable of, of passing out of the back, but more importantly, they can hit them directly. And um, 
So I think if if you're going to if we're going to get a, a game where it's just completely wide open, we'd want to see an, an early Liverpool goal. Yeah. Um, to make Real Madrid come out of uh, a little bit of a sitting back mentality. Um, but all in all, regardless, even if you see Real Madrid sit back and try and hit him on the counter, I think we're going to see a really exciting game because you've got players on the Liverpool side that not only can win ball, but when they win the ball, they, they are usually in great positions. And they have players that are capable of, of breaking play other uh, individuals down 1v1. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a good assessment of this one. We're talking with Brian McBride. He works, of course, now for ESPN FC, but we know him, of course, also as a great career through MLS and really was one of the standouts in England, which isn't uh, said a lot about Americans necessarily. Brian, let's take a, go back there now. You only spent a few games there, literally a handful of games at Everton. But you had a nice little run there, and, they, and the fans really took to you. Even in, I don't even think you played less than 10 games there on loan. Does that just also mean you just can't root for Liverpool? Like you have to be a Real Madrid supporter on this weekend because that's still – I mean, it was only like eight or nine games, right? You know, it, it's so funny when you talk about that. It's uh, um, the, If you think about it <laughs> – the, no one's ever asked me that question. Really? And um, it, when I first went there, I had no idea that it was that way. Yeah. And in fact, so much so, I actually had red boots. Um, and I walked out of the locker room with with uh, red boots. And they go, you can't do that. <laughs> I said, what do you mean I can't? Said, they said, you, you can't wear red boots. I'm going to have to go get you some black ones. I said, of course, at the time, the sponsor was a Nike, and I was wearing Nike shoes. So, uh, long story short, I had to uh, give Nike a call and quickly get some some new boots. So, I haven't. I you know I'm. I wouldn't say Liverpool is one of my favorite teams, uh, yeah. but I'm not the person that um, sort of ho- holds a grudge or looks at things as similar to others. So much so, listen, I'm a Cubs fan, but I don't root against the White Sox. How about that? Does oh, that okay. give you? A, a better idea. I mean, I can't so, fathom that. No, but it makes sense, I guess, if that's who you are. You know, I mean, that's just uh, that's like me rooting for the Steelers or not hating the Steelers as a Browns fan. But no, I mean, I get it on the. It's different. It's different because yeah. you're in the same city, right? Yeah, no, so, that's true. That's know, true. And you yeah, weren't there so. very long. Like we said, literally, listener, he was there for a loan that lasted, I think, less than ten games. I could be wrong. In terms that was eight of, games. Yeah, eight, eight games. games. Uh, and it was a, it was a great experience for me. Yeah, but. I mean, you did great, frankly, and you did, you had a couple of nice, really productive loans in your career. What was your thought on that? You know, as your time in MLS. Now, you didn't go out every year or anything like that, but what was your thinking about those loans at that time? Well, my thought process was, you know, I was ready for the next step. Yeah. I mean, initially, when I came out of college, I went to Wolfsburg, and um, I wasn't prepared mentally, and I struggled. You know, with the the difficulties of um, having the right mindset, going through periods where uh, I wasn't playing, and having to deal with that. And at the time of the the loans, I was well beyond that. I had a great support system, and um, I think that makes a big difference. So for me, it was really testing the waters to see if I was going to be able to um, play in. Um, uh, a different country and um so that was my goal mm-hmm. and uh and it was a great place for me to go first at preston and then at, at everton um you know i couldn't ask for for a better situation well it worked out of course because that led you to fulham 
And you obviously right. were ready then, you know, and spent many seasons with Fulham and did a great job for them. Uh, let me ask you about this, Brian. And I know this sounds crazy. You, you were a U.S. national team mainstay, had a great national team career, frankly, one of the best. And I know this sounds nuts, and people always joke and laugh with me about it, but I think one of the biggest problems a lot of times with strikers is, quite frankly, they can't finish. And I know that seems weird, that you know, but it's tough to do. It's hard to finish sometimes in football, and defenses are, you know, they're there to stop you. But you were a guy who, if you got a chance, if somebody set you up, you were going to finish it. And I don't, I don't say that lightly because we just, Frank, frankly, in America, don't have that enough. What does that take? Like, do you black out a little bit right before you? Fa- I know that sounds crazy too, but I want to know and get into the mind of a guy who can actually finish as a striker, and you could. Well, I think you're giving me a lot of credit. I, I probably missed a, a bunch of goals, too. But. Well, they all do, right? I mean, but still. <laughs> I mean, I, let me put it to you this way, Brian. Back in that era when you played, which you know wasn't that long ago, you know, 10 years ago, I guess, r- roughly you finished up in the men's national team. If a ball was going to drop to somebody and we needed a goal, I wanted it to be dropped to you. I'm not going to lie. And I'm not saying you didn't have teammates who could finish, but that is the crucial part of striking, I think, so often that – as crazy as it sounds, and you did all the other stuff that everybody's looking for. You held the ball up great. Obviously, you're more than willing to pass, which is still a good, you know, is a, a trait that's sometimes missing well, for strikers that. too. But what is it about finishing? Like, what separates people who can and can't? You know, gosh, I think repetition is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Making sure you've been in those situations as much as possible, um, and and training, not taking the the easy way out of, of you know jogging onto a ball and then finishing it, making it uh, sort of similar to a, a game speed. Yeah, there's there's definitely times like there'd be times when um, when I didn't feel like I was in in good rhythm and I didn't feel like I had um, that sort of you know confidence that that you need to score goals, and then I would dumb it down, then I'd slow it down and. You know, get back into striking the ball well. Get back into having the right footwork, um, and those those processes certainly helped at least me. And you know, I, you add in the fact that I also I knew that I, I wasn't really going to be making those chances myself. So um, I, I wanted to be um, ready and, and able when uh, my teammates were able to find me in the right spots. Well, he absolutely was often. It's Brian McBride. We're talking with him. Of course, you can check his work out at ESPN FC. Brian, one last thing. You know, around the time you played, was there another guy who you felt up front that finished with a plum, you know, an American player? I have one in mind, and that is Clint Mathis. To me, that knee injury just wrecked me when it happened to Clint because I thought he was really a special type player. But there were a few guys you played with, certainly, that could finish. But what about those finishers that you played with for the U.S.? Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's quite a few guys. Um, uh, certainly, Clint was was a great goal scorer. Clint was one of the guys that actually could make the goal himself. Um, I think, if you know, looking back on it during that period, that Jason Christ was an excellent goal scorer sure. and, and didn't really get the credit. Uh, and the few opportunities he had with the national team, it just didn't work out. But, um a guy that could score goals. Ante Razov uh, was similar to me in the sense that he needed uh, some assistance, you know, players around him finding the balls in good spots. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, you know, pop into my head as far as uh, in the immediate realm. Um, the, 
it's one of those it's one of those things. I think you get if you get into a good rhythm and you have a good group around you and you feel comfortable, um, you tend to score more than you miss. Yeah. Well, just so you know, we see Ante Razov at practice for LAFC all the time. He can still score, by the way. So no pressure on you, Brian, but Ante could still do <laughs> yeah, it. I don't I know if I can. <laughs> uh, my vertical is definitely not where it was. Yeah, we'll do that much. We'll get somebody to, we'll get Vela to feed the ball right to your head and, and then you will not miss. I can promise you that. He is Brian McBride, one of the best in U.S. history and, uh, check him out on ESPN FC. Brian, thanks so much for taking the time, buddy. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You yeah, bet. Brian McBride, really one of the greats for U.S. soccer. And that, frankly, that was like my wheelhouse of really getting into the game. Now, he's a little younger, but I was really starting to fall in love with the U.S. national team around Brian and his, you know what he did with that group. A lot of fun, no doubt about it. If you're a little younger, check him out. You know, Go get the YouTube stuff. Look him up. If you're, younger, or you're a younger kid playing soccer, he knows what he's doing. And, you know, quite frankly... A lot of that you just can't teach. And I know it's a cliche, but if you can finish, you can finish, and he could finish. When somebody, If somebody set him up, you wanted him to be on the end of it, and you were going to be pretty happy. I still remember that goal and the finishing and the, you know, the World Cups. To, oh, great run. Oh, man. I am Dave Denholm. Really a lot of fun there. Don't forget, check him out on ESPN FC. That was Brian McBride. Appreciate him taking the time. We still got a long way to go. We got so much to get to. We got the L.A. Care injury report, which doesn't look that bad again. And, of course, as always, coming up later, stoppage time. This is the home of world football in Southern California. It's Soccer Weekly on ESPN L.A. Soccer Weekly, ESPN L.A. 710. I am Dave Denholm. Once again, each and every week here on ESPN L.A., we break down the world's game. Time now for the health report on Soccer Weekly, and it's sponsored by L.A. Care. as the nation's largest community-inspired health plan. L.A. Care is elevating health care in the City of Angels. L.A. Care for all of L.A., lacare.org. Once again, to be frank, it's a very good week for injuries in terms of the local clubs. Yeah, there's still some injuries to talk about, and we'll take a look at the opponents they're going to be playing in MLS this week. We start with LAFC. You still have the Luis Lopez longer-term injury, and, of course, Marco Arreño with the facial fracture, and then he's going to be heading off to the World Cup. Who knows? He may even wear a mask. I'm curious to see about that and see how that he performs there, but of course he's out. Now for the Galaxy, uh, Rolf Felcher still had the shoulder. He's going to be out for a longer term. He's still got the nagging stuff with Gio, but then again, he's going off to the Mexican national team anyway. And uh, they were pretty healthy the other. I mean, both teams are pretty healthy. And frankly, that's one of the worst things about playing a friendly, which LAFC did last night against Borussia Dortmund. It's you worry about the injury, right? That's the scary part. So you want to enjoy the game, which everybody did, because nobody got hurt. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Now let's take a look at the opponents this week. Of course, D.C. United comes to town to take on LAFC. They'll be at Bank of California Stadium on Saturday. You'll hear it right here on ESPN LA and the ESPN app. Now, D.C. has some pretty heavy injuries. They've got some uh, longer-term injuries. Guys like Russell Canoose, Ulysses Segura, Taylor Kemp. They do have Junior Moreno, who's got a little bit of a hamstring issue. Looks like he could go, though. That doesn't seem to be too much of a problem. So they're pretty healthy, all things considered. And, uh, you know, again, good sign for D.C. And who cares? You want to have a team health. I don't love playing teams when they're just racked with injuries. I mean, if it happens, I'm not going to cry about it. It's professional sports. But, you you know, I want to see the best players. So I got no problem with that. San Jose... The uh, couple of injuries that are longer term for them that really hurt is that Jefferson Quintana, who had an ish ankle one. And another ankle injury that's kind of interesting to me is Yamir Hicka. Now you're wondering, who's that? 
Well, he is out with an ankle injury. He is a midfielder that they signed for my favorite Swiss team. I've talked about this team now, both on the broadcast of the LAFC games and also on this show some. My favorite Swiss side is FC Luzerne. I went there, visited, went to a game a few years ago, and fell in love with the place. Great stadium, great fans. But now MLS is like raiding that club. They've already signed like three or four players around the league. This is one of them, Yarmir Hicka. I actually saw him that day playing for FC Luzerne. So I remember him as a Luzerne player, but he's with San Jose. Now i got to hate him, right, because he's Northern California. So he's out, and he's actually a very good player too. But again, San Jose is not racked with injuries either. So we should see a pretty full complement. You do have, of course, Zlatan having to sit out with the red card. So if you if you haven't heard about Zlatan getting the red card on Monday – and you go to watch the California Classico on Friday, and you panic because you're like, where's Laton? Oh, no, he must be injured. No, he's out with the red card. So no injury concern there. But that is the L.A. Care health plan, health report. So, again, injury report, not terrible. we got to go back to that game, LAFC and Borussia Dortmund. And there was another factor in it that I think gets overlooked because I do think sometimes people worry about this junk too much. And I was guilty of it for many years. So I want to say that I'm not like sitting here saying, oh, you were, you're so stupid if you think like this. No, I used to think like that a lot. And I find myself not worrying about it as much. It's the what, is the what do they think about us mentality, right? We're all worried about that in MLS if you're an MLS fan. Oh, we got to beat Dortmund. But then it really – friendlies don't matter that way. They're fine. They're fun. Enjoy them, right? A couple years ago – Galaxy got destroyed by Man United. You know what? They didn't disband the Galaxy. MLS didn't kick them out. They still went on to play games after that. Go figure, right? It's okay. Dortmund isn't going to crumble up and die if they happen to lose to LAFC. Well, they got the draw out of it with a late goal. But you know what? Dortmund was really run off the pitch for a number of those minutes. It really wasn't that close. LAFC had the lion's share of the chances. So what? It's more about the enjoyment and fun of the night. But what I was interested to see as I took a little peek around social media, there were some Dortmund fans out there that, and it's very minor, doesn't mean anything. They were admitting, you know, hey, look, our team was not at full strength. Neither was LAFC. We weren't really trying to go out there like gangbusters. It's just a friendly. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. But they also then tagged it with, but you can see that MLS is getting better. And again, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme. Don't let it worry you, but it's kind of nice. And you can kind of see the little slight shift. Now, they weren't sitting there telling you that, oh, we hate MLS. Or, no, it was just kind of that tip of the cap, as I always talk about. It was, well, it was a fun game. We, we being Borussia Dortmund fans, we didn't care that much. They didn't send the all the guys. Some of them are off at World Cup duty already. Just a friendly after our season. But MLS looks a lot better than it used to. And they were saying how, yeah, the league is clearly getting better. It's a small thing. But remember, these countries are watching. They get MLS games too. There are a lot of fans of MLS over in England and over in Spain and over in just like we watch those leagues. Maybe not quite as dramatically as we do because we still have an inferior inferiority complex, inferiority complex here in America. 
But I want your thoughts on that. At Talk Soccer on Twitter. You can hit me up. We'll continue the conversation even after the show. Because I think it's a fascinating little factor that, like, for so long we overestimated that and we're so worried about it with friendlies and, oh, we got to beat these guys. We have nothing to gain, though, because MLS teams, if they win, the other team says, well, who cares? It's a friendly. We weren't trying. And if they lose, they say, ah, see, you guys suck. I mean, there's no win, but people were too wrapped up in the results. It's not about that. It's that slight little twist of a Borussia Dortmund fan or 10 or 20 on social media saying, you know what? That was a pretty fun game. And oh, by the way, MLS is getting a lot better. They can see it. They're not stupid. On the pitch, LAFC kind of outran Borussia Dortmund most of the game. It doesn't matter for all the reasons we've talked about. Again, I'm not trying to sit here and tell you LAFC is better than Borussia Dortmund. But on that night, anybody who was actually watching without any kind of malice towards LAFC would have to acknowledge they were way better. Quite frankly, Christian Pulisic looked incredibly average. Guess what? He's good. Guess what? He was the best player on the field, talent-wise, including Borussia Dortmund and LAFC, with all due respect to Carlos Vela, who is right up there. So, I mean, say what you will, but again, it's that noticing of the opposition who are all of a sudden like, hey, we saw it with the Champions League, guys. CONCACAF Champions League, you started to see it with Mexican teams, right? They were like, yeah, you know, hey, Chivas still won, but we all can kind of see that Toronto was the best team. <laughs> I mean, and I mean, you're, you're just being ridiculous if you don't even admit that. And soccer fans in Mexico are not ridiculous, by and large. Now, some of them are. But Mexican League soccer fans know what they're talking about. And even they're starting to say, you know what? Yeah, MLS is coming along. It's not necessarily great for them, but they have to admit it. Now there's rumors flying around. Get this. Uh, Sebastian Jovinko impressed. That's the rumor. Let's just say that. Because the further rumor is maybe heading to Tigres for a possible trade. Now, some money is going to be involved according to the, oh, but I wish I remembered where I saw this. I shouldn't be quoting this this heavy when I don't remember the source. But the rumors are out there. I think it's probably in more places than just Enter Valencia, right? That was the name I'm hearing. With maybe some cash involved, you would think that Tigres would have to pay a little more too because Valencia is a little, uh, you know, not quite as good as Jovinko, but certainly still a fantastic player. So they would offset some of the price that Jovinko would take by giving TFC back a very good player. Valencia is dynamic. But Jovinko really impressed, and rightfully so. He was the best player in the Champions League, without a doubt. I mean, that wasn't even close. All deference to the great players on Tigres. Many of them we love. We love watching Tigres on this show because they're great. But, I mean, come on. Liga MX teams don't go after guys who are playing in MLS unless they are really special. They don't need to. We know this. And Sebastian Duvinko is really special, even if he stays in the rumor stage. It's pretty fun. Hey, uh, don't forget, hit me up even after the show finishes on Twitter at TalkSoccer. Love to continue the conversation. We still got stoppage time coming up. I am Dave Denholm. 
You are listening to the home of world football in Southern California, ESPNLA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPNLA 710. I am Dave Dadholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California, also the home of LAFC. Don't forget, game coming up on Saturday against D.C. United. You'll hear it right here on ESPNLA and the ESPN app. We do appreciate your support throughout the year and throughout the seasons we've had this show on. Don't forget, you can podcast it or tell your friends who maybe can't listen in Los Angeles or can't listen to the app when it's live. You can get it on iTunes, your podcatchers. Just search Soccer Weekly. If you get a moment, subscribe, rate, and review to the show. Would really appreciate that as well. I know you appreciate the best segment we do each and every week. It's time for Stoppage Time. We're going to it's Stoppage Time! Yeah! Stoppage Time! Yeah. Stoppage Time! Right now! As always, Stoppage Time proudly presented by Puente Hills Chevy. Find new roads at Puente Hills Chevy off the 60 freeway in the city of industry, the San Gabriel Valley Chevy store. Say habla espanol. He is the producer of this show, but he is the host of Stoppage Time. Here is Mario Reeves. Mario. Dave, props to you for trooping through this and uh, going brother. through the show, even though you're a little under the weather, but it's still sounding good. Hey, man. you know, we got to get it done. Brian McBride was always on the pitch. When it mattered. That's right. I got to play through pain. No doubt. <laughs> now, what I wanted to do for stoppage time was a little football cheese made, but you stole my thunder oh, there no. when you started talking about uh, Javinko heading oh. the Tigres. Oh, man, I wanted the football cheese made. That would have been so good. You know what's really sad, Mario? <laughs> what's that? When I started to do that, you kind of reacted through the glass, right? Oh, you're I threw in, my hands you're up. You're in yeah. your booth. Like, you like, you oh, kind man, of like, took my gesticulated. Story. That's what you were saying? Because I thought you were laughing and thought it was the great story and my take was hot. I really did. Like, like, Mario's back there, like, throwing his arms up, like, oh, this is... And I thought, he's saying, oh, this is great, Dave. What of course, great- Dave. Oh. It was your point. It was, it was a great point, Dave. Good Yeah, job. that's exactly what it was, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. But I got I, some more cheese, man. I got so cocky. Now, yeah, we got to get to the cheese, man. I'm, I'm a mess here. Go ahead. Uh, Wayne Rooney is reportedly on a plane. I know there's a lot of lot of talks been going around about him coming to D.C., but now reports are he's on the plane coming over here to D.C. What wow. do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I was reading some of that going to maybe meet with it, you know, check out the city, meet with the club, maybe yeah. talk to Ben Olsen. Of course, they're coming out to play here, so I don't know what their schedule looks like as a team, mm-hmm. if he's actually even going to be able to meet up in person with some of them. But look, I mean, he was the be- top scorer on the eighth best team in the Premiership. Now, if everybody's going to sit here and tell me he's washed up, what does that say about the Premier League, right? So obviously I'm using that as a harsh example because – He's clearly still able to play, is the point. Now, I know he had some issues at Everton towards the end. He was playing a little bit of a maybe position he didn't love, didn't get as many games. Uh, you know, maybe didn't end as great as he would have loved, of course, with his boyhood club. But guy scored 10 goals. He was a top scorer on the eighth best team in the Premiership. That should end the argument of whether they should bring him over here. Now, there's other factors. Mario, they got to sell tickets to a new stadium. I'm sorry, but Darren Maddox and Paul Areola are not going to fill that place up. Right. You know, I mean, no disrespect to those players. Of course. Winning fills it up. Well, they're not doing that, so they got to go make a splash. When you stink and you got to fill up a new stadium and you're not winning with the guys you have, go get another guy or go get a, a big-time player, a Zlatan. This is their Zlatan. Let's be realistic. He's Wayne freaking Rooney. He's going to sell a ton of jerseys. He's going to move tickets. He's going to create buzz in a city where, frankly, at one point, the greatest MLS franchise has been turned into a tiny club. 
I mean, that's the bottom line. Now, the stadium would have helped no matter what. That is a beautiful place. Full credit to them for getting that done, Mario. But you need to win. You need to put something on the pitch that people are going to go want to watch. Now, if you're not winning, you better bring over that truly transcendent type player. And guess what? The media will flock to it. We know that. Fans are going to flock to it. They're going to buy jerseys, buy tickets, as I said. You have to do it. Doesn't mean necessarily you couldn't have picked someone else, maybe. If you if fans can disagree with whether they think Wayne Rooney's the right fit, okay. Yeah, there's been mixed reaction about this. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, even our friend Sebastian Salazar had some, you know. But he's not the only one. There's a lot of fans yeah. feeling the same I way. get that. You may well be right. Yeah. But my point is he scored 10 goals and was the leading scorer for the eighth best team in the Prem. So you can't tell me he's going to come over here and trip over his feet for 90 minutes. It's ridiculous. The guy can play. And, by the way, he's not 38. And I don't. I just bring that number up just as I'm not referencing anyone. But he's not coming over here at 40 years old. He's like 31 or 32. David Beckham came over at the same time. That worked out pretty well in the long run. I guess DC fans, they want to go the uh, Atlanta United route, the uh, LAFC route, well, going with the what? South American, the young you know, 20-year-old. Yeah, Mario, but we know they're not going to do that. Their ownership could have done that for years now if they really wanted are they stuck back in their uh, their times of oh, yeah, dude. They're, well, they're early waiting. MLS days? In fairness, they were waiting for the stadium. Okay, I get it. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't a good situation. It took them a long time. And credit to their ownership, again. Remember, the, as crazy as it sounds, that ownership could have bailed. I mean, we don't. Who knows, right? Couldn't get a deal done. They could have left. I mean, imagine an MLS without D.C. United. I really can't in my own mind, especially being, you know, from L.A. and with the Galaxy and everything and the history those two teams had. This was once the club in MLS. And now it's just a tiny little franchise. It's kind of an afterthought. That's sad. Well, Wayne Rooney will certainly help that. And that stadium will help. I'm not rooting against D.C. United. I'm not particularly rooting for them. But I don't think any... I see no problem, Mario, with them bringing over Wayne Rooney. At all. Stop it, time! Dave... One more story here before yeah. we got to go. Uh, yesterday we got to see uh, Christian Pulisic, and uh, he's going to be playing for a new coach, right? Uh, they just got a new coach, Lucien Favre. Now, will this be uh, more likely for uh, Pulisic to stay in dormant or less likely? Man, to stay that dormant? is a very good question. Lucien Favre has coached in the Bundesliga. He knows the German game, which I think actually helps, uh, you know, here – He's the kind of guy who knows what it takes to win in the Bundesliga. And Christian Pulisic is the type of player who can win in the Bundesliga. So, Favre, there's no way he's coming in. Let's put it this way, just to alleviate anybody's fears, Mario, because it's a great question. Christian Pulisic is now too big and too good for the manager to screw around with him no matter what. The club would then say, all right, you're gone, Lucien. Like, this is not <laughs> That's true. You know, bringing in Pep Guardiola here, and he decides, you know what, I really don't like Christian Pulisic. Maybe he's got to go. No, this is Lucien Favre. Yeah. If Lucien has a problem with Pulisic, he'll be on the bus out. See ya, yeah. Now, again, there are some Chiefs may going around that maybe Pulisic isn't there. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what all those kind of things. But they've wanted Favre as a manager for a while. I mean, he is definitely a guy that they've had their eye on. So they got him. And it was funny because as we did the game last night, we all knew, obviously, including Peter Stuger, the manager of Borussia Dortmund last night, he knew he was gone. This was no surprise. But they announced it yesterday. So it was so weird 
that they announced their new manager that everybody knew was already coming and everybody knew that Stuger, but Peter Stuger had to go down there and shake hands with Bob Bradley before and after, you know, had to put in the subs and had to run training the day before over at UCLA and kind of enjoy his trip as much as he could. Now, again, it was already a done deal and the club was cool and Peter Stuger is a great manager. If he wants to keep coaching, he'll keep coaching. It just was time to move on. Like he understood he's a big boy, but it was kind of fascinating that way. But Lucien Favre knows what he's doing, and he will certainly help Borussia Dortmund. They had a bit of a down season. And frankly, I don't think Pulisic got better. I thought Pulisic actually struggled a lot of the year. Now, he had some brilliant moments because he is a great player. But he did not have a great year. And that's a little troubling if you're Borussia Dortmund. It also, frankly, might make them sell him, sell him now. Because... Not because they don't see the tremendous potential and they don't already know how good he is, but it's like if he has another rougher year, it only hurts his price.